Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Swim podcast. Swim, swim. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode 29 of Someone Who Isn't Me. The guest on Swim this time is Michael Burkett, uh, who's better known as Fat Mike from No Effects, um, but he also does Koki the Clown, he runs Fat Records, and a bunch of other stuff, actually. Normally, with Swim, uh, I'm generally on pretty good terms with the guests before we start, uh, but with this one, I think... I'd only ever met Mike once before and it was really briefly uh, in a shuttle bus between stages at Download Festival once and we shared a couple of words and that was that. So I was, you know, I didn't know how it was going to go. I turned up at their dressing room at Slam Dunk and we started doing the interview but the thing was they were kind of in the middle of something when I walked in him and his mate Baz, who, um, if you're a NoFX fan, you probably know that there was a, like an orchestral version of The Decline put online a while ago where a guy, a music student, took their song and reworked it as a symphony and, and it went up online and stuff. So when I went to do the interview, Mike and this guy Baz were working on a version of The Decline for uh, an upcoming show. When we started, we start talking about it straight away. And then he said, Mike said, oh, this isn't in the interview. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he said, but it could be. So as far as mixed messages go, that's pretty mixed. So I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. And I did text him the other day and I was like, hey, man, do you want me to leave this bit in at the start? And he said, I don't even remember. So um, I have left it in. But I have actually censored, yes, with a proper bleep and everything. I censored out the date and the place that they're doing this show. Because it would have been a spoiler otherwise. And it hasn't been announced, so I didn't want to be that guy. The conversation, I think, as we started it, is actually really good. So, And I found it really interesting myself. So I've left it in, but I have taken out the, um, you know, the date and the place and everything. Mike's obviously known for being very outspoken, which I think has probably bitten him on the arse a few times. Uh, most recently, when no effects were playing in Las Vegas, I think it was like eight months after the shooting that happened at the, at the Country Music Festival, Harvest Festival, I think it was. And there was some on-stage banter that was in pretty poor taste, and it, it really did backfire on him. 
there were repercussions and the media got hold of it and ended up with Mike getting dragged and yeah what was said was in poor taste but it wasn't necessarily just him that said stuff if anything I think he was trying to kind of do damage limitation but all the focus of all the negativity was obviously on him so we spoke a little bit about that but I didn't really want to get into it too much because there'd been all the stuff online about it he'd made his apologies and I figured we'd just talk about some other things without getting into it because I thought enough had been said about it already and that wasn't me like you know kind of swerving around it or ignoring the fact that it happened because we do talk about it a little bit at the end uh, and they're definitely not making apologies for anything because you know things get said on stage and can be very off the cuff with very little thought for the actual consequences or the people involved and I think it was one of those situations it definitely wasn't done out of like malicious intent but yeah anyways we did talk a lot about the Koki the Clown record which is called Your Welcome, which he put out recently. And that was the reason I wanted to speak to him, because I think the record is fantastic. It's a very beautiful, very honest, and very miserable record. <laughs> All the songs are sung very openly and honestly. There's one song on there called That Time I Killed My Mum, about when his mum was terminally ill. And it's a super bum out, but at the same time really beautiful. The other song which really struck me was a song called Swing and Miss, Swing and a Miss, which is about one of his friend's suicides. And like I said, the record is is a total bum out. It's really miserable, but at the same time, it's an amazing work of art. It's definitely worth listening to. I've played it to a bunch of people and shown the videos to people. Well, we talk about that a little bit as well. So yeah, we spoke about that. I know as well that Mike is heavily into the BDSM scene, which is something I didn't really know about. And I think the best way of finding out other people's perspectives is to sit down and speak to people that are in that world or any world, you know. If there's something you find kind of intriguing for whatever reason and you know nothing about it and you know somebody that's super into it, it's cool to actually sit and have a conversation with them about it, um, which I find fascinating. I think the fact that he talks so openly about that stuff as well as everything else just shows that he's a very smart, open and honest guy. I found it a really good conversation. I hope you do too. This is Fat Mike. If you don't want to do it now, I don't want to be... If you're in the middle of it, I don't want to be... No, the no, guy that's... I'm good. Okay. Because what happens is we put our, our ideas down and... Uh, but some of the timing's wrong, and he, when he has to, he knows what he has to change. He's doing all his changes now. Okay. So when's it gonna be done by? Tonight. Well, because he's. This isn't in the interview. This isn't. No. Okay. But it could be. Okay. He's going to France. I'm going to L.A. And in. It's gonna be the first time we've ever done this. And when's that? And that's not far, is it? So far, he has to score it, he, and then he, he has to send it to musicians. And then are you, once it's scored, are you looking at, I guess there's no room to rewrite, like, do rewrites. I don't know how it works with scoring stuff, I guess. Yeah, that, we, we uh, well, they're sight readers. We could change a few things. Yeah. 
but we need to get it down at least a version that we're happy with yeah it's quite a trip man to think I mean at no point when you first start a band do you really consider that that's going to be something you're going to be doing a little further no, down the line no and what's weird is that uh, the decline is a symphony I, I just didn't know it yeah and Baz would, he didn't talk to me he just did he scored it and had a 50 piece orchestra do it in, in, in Nancy France and I saw it someone said have you seen this well you weren't even aware it was I gonna... wasn't aware he was oh, doing it that's wild and I saw it and I just started crying and I wish I had parents to show them because I was so proud. And, you know, a symphony, it, it's all new parts, basically. And that's what the decline is. Yeah. A couple parts repeat, but it's mostly all new parts. And uh, that's what this is. And now we decided that NoFX is going to play the decline. And we're going to have uh, either 14 or 28 person orchestra wow. play with us. And some parts we stop and the symphony goes and some parts we just play the song and it's 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 so interesting for me because uh he'll put a trombone part in and uh and then I'll rewrite the melody. Like he knows where to put everything. Yeah. And then uh but you know, it's my song, so the melodies I kinda gotta write. And this and kid Baz he was twenty three when he scored this. Now he's twenty seven. So I mean he's a he's a kid and he's yeah, he's an incredible musician. How does that feel then to actually like that's such a trip? I didn't know it came about like that. That that. Yeah, he just did it on his own. Wow. And then I. He uh, must, he's obviously a huge fan then. Huge fan, and he's a got a, a master's degree in uh, jazz drums, and he plays. Yeah. He picked up the clarinet three weeks ago and learned it for the Koki, <laughs> for our Koki shows. Wow, that's crazy. And. Uh, I've never co-written with anybody. Yeah. The first person I've co-written with. How's it feel? I mean, if you're going to go and start, you might as well start really big. Well, he just, he, he knows a lot of things I don't know, and I have a sense of melody that he doesn't have. But do you think, when you say you don't know, do you th- I mean, you must, you must do intuitively, right? Well, I just, I don't know how all those instruments work. Yeah. I don't understand, like, when you play violin really staccato when you pluck it I, I don't know about that yeah you know I know about songs so he's like this part plucked it goes blink 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 like, oh cool and then yeah. uh, but I'll before I even hear the next part I'll be like okay this is the melody and I'll hum him the melody he'll put it in and then I'll now do it again even though the chords changed and he's like how'd you know that was gonna work which is the weird part yeah well my- you know, you're a great songwriter, and you've been doing it long enough, right? But it, but it's it's not that. It's when I was a little kid, when I was like five, I could add up five-digit numbers, a whole list of them in my head. Yeah. Just I would just come up with the answer. And then wow. school taught taught me how to redo math, and I I lost the ability to do that. And somehow, about 25 years ago, 20 years ago, music made sense to me. And now. It's crazy. Now it's, I, you know, I, I hear every part. So did he did he work on any of Koki with you? Yes. So it was you, Danny. Yeah, Travis. Uh, is actually Baz wrote most of the drum parts. Okay. N- not most, from half of them, and then Travis said he wanted to play on it, and Travis came up with a lot of cool shit, and a lot of stuff. Travis is like, I could play that, 
but I don't want to learn it. <laughs> yeah. Because Baz is, you know, got a master's degree in, in jazz drums. Yeah. Travis is just an amazing drummer, but yeah. jazz is a whole different beast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we have some great musicians on that album. When I got it, uh, you know, I'd like, I knew, or I thought I knew what Koki as, as this thing was. No one had any idea. No, it's tremendous, man. It's so great. Thank you very much. And I'm, I'm no bullshit. I, I listened to the record, and um, yeah, it blew my mind, and it and it really resonated with me. Like a lot of the songs, it bummed me out, like a ton. But that's kind of the point, to a certain degree. I think great art should be doing that. Great right? art should make you some feel. great art hurts. Yeah. I mean, it, great art touch it touches people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had all these tragedies in my life. Yeah. And instead of being metaphoric and, you know, uh, and vague, I just told the stories with, with song. And, yeah. uh, I, I, and I like doing original shit, and I, I've never heard anything like this. No, me neither. I've played it to so many people. Like, I've played um, Punk Rock Saved My Life on, on my show. But to be fair, I think that's probably the only one that that I can. No, that's not true. Actually, I could play all of it. But it you just, can't. You just, can't. It's it's so. There's no genre. Yeah. There's no it's, genre. It's it's just it's. I'm a depressionist. Yeah. No. I, <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's so visceral. But playing it live, we we did three shows. How was that? With an eight-piece band. And uh, it was. I had no idea how taxing it would be. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Because the recording the album wasn't cathartic or therapeutic. It was just a bum out. And I, you know, I sang all the songs in a corner at Danny, Danny from Nine Inch Nails' house. Yeah. Just sitting in a corner drinking vodka. That was the only way to do it. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people will be like, oh, to do something that, that honest and that stark, oh, yeah, it must have like a real like it must be cathartic but it was I, the opposite I don't know what, yeah it's like that's kind of to me and I think that's what makes it so beautiful is this yeah the honesty of it and I think it's like it's like dredging up like a lot of stuff and it's a, you know what I think helps it the details are what really gets people you know I heard him hit the floor while I was cooking beans you know because that's how sharp it is in my memory yeah and that's what really the details make everything all great art yeah for it's, sure it's, and I think people finding those moments where it where it resonates with them and, and like is familiar and I'm without wanting to sound like a dick I'm, I'm thankful that I don't it doesn't all resonate with me because it's it'd be very few people where every song yeah, could resonate yeah, with for sure and, and we had to leave a song off because it's too hard for people to hear. Yeah. And everyone would have concentrated on that song. Uh, well, like, the song about killing my mom, great title, right? That, uh, time, yeah. that time I killed my mom. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's I recorded like... that a month after she died, wow. which was 12 years ago, 13 years ago. That was cathartic for me because hmm. it was so hard to sing, and I was crying as I was singing it, and it's such a pretty melody, and... And it just sat on my computer, and I, I played it for friends, you know, maybe once a year. 
Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, you know, my mom, before she died, uh, she bought me four really expensive bottles of port wine and said, I want you to open this and think of me wow. when you're with, with close friends on special occasions. And uh, that's been wonderful. Yeah, man. What that's a great that, gift. That's the one which that made, like, really, that I connected with straight away. I mean, yeah, as you say, the titles, the titles amazing. But, like, I lost my mom's cancer in November. So, yeah, it just, it just, yeah, it made a lot of sense. And I just, I, and I think how, the thing for me is the whole record, I, I think, is so beautiful. It's, and, you know, we're talking about it as art, which it is. And it's, it's, I can imagine that it's almost like, um, it's like performance art to a certain degree to actually, to be able to, to, those things forward you know what I mean I guess it's performance it's just it's weird because it, no it's just it's just peeling off your skin for songs yeah I'm just I gave but, but I gave I, up all my secrets yeah but most people don't do that no and because I think that's only within those kind of worlds that, that something you know you get people like you know Tom Waits or Lena Cohen will, will write these really beautiful songs stories but but not like this I well I think I'm I'm very appreciative that you like I'm talking to people that are like I've never heard anything like this, yeah. and that means so much to me because you, you know you try to make great songs, and I couldn't do these songs with no effects because people would be like oh punk songs because I've written depressing songs with no effects yeah whatever we're still a punk band. This is a whole new level, and the first song in the album that's what I was about to say the way the way it starts with bathtub is just that because it's the most stark song on the record as well. And and there's the, it's so minimalist the instrumentation when yeah. it first starts it's like it's almost like a spoken word piece and it's just like straight away yeah, man. when the piano hits you're like oh. yeah but I, I opened shows with that song but I explained I told the crowd beforehand I said these are true stories this yeah. first song is about how I found my wife in a bathtub and she was trying to kill herself and I found her just in time. One of the reasons she did that is because I moved her to San Francisco where none of my friends accepted her because yeah. she was a, a porn star dominatrix. Yeah. And I just stopped getting to invited to, I stopped getting invited to dinner. And uh, I stopped it was weird. When I was very social, it all ended. Yeah. And the worst thing was Tony Sly from No Easter Name, you know, he died a few years back. I broke up with this woman after eight years. We, we separated. And I got invited to Tony Sly's bonfire where they play his songs and sit around on his birthday. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'll be there. And my daughter says, yeah, Daddy, we go every year. And I said, they have this every year? I was never invited to it before. Wow. Because, because my wife was a porn star. And that, that kind of... No, it's 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 incredibly heartbreaking because she felt it yeah. and she resented me that I moved her to a city where she was hated for and nothing you, for no you, reason. And you weren't aware that that was the, that's how it was at the time, no? I wasn't aware because I didn't cheat on or anything. I broke me and my first wife married 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 for eighteen years. Yeah, I never cheated on her, and then I met a new woman. Yes, it was soon after, and. Uh, 
and everybody either was told or uh, thought that I cheated on my wife, uh, okay. but I didn't. Oh, so it wasn't like a judgment thing in the sense of like because they were judging of what she did. It was it was a lot was that, of that too. Yeah, like See, uh, that sucks. Eric Melvin, the guitar player in my band, he lived four blocks from me for all the time. Hmm. I mean, for years, he's he was very close, and you know, uh, I would go over there all the time, and I invited him and his kids and, and his wife and his dad over, and only he came over with his dad and his sister, and I said, hey, where are the kids? And Eric said, no, they weren't feeling well, and then his dad pulled me aside, Eric's dad, and said, I gotta tell you this, Mike, but uh, Eric has said, I don't let my my children over that prostitute's house. Like, what a fucking horrible thing to say. And it's like, I have a daughter. I have a 12, she's 14 now. Yeah. And Selma, my wife, she had a 17 year old. It's like, we're parents, you know, just because we get crazy in the bedroom. And, and, and she was a single mom. She made porn. Like, who the, f how can you judge us? Yeah. Like that. It's, and these are supposed to be punk rockers. Yeah, that's the thing that I find tough. But then again, you know, you can't hold everybody else to, to your own standards yeah, because, I, because everybody's different, right? I do. That's my problem. Yeah. I mean, that's the natural thing to do. We all do it. But, but yeah. I, I've only slept with, I slept with two women in 30 years, which is a really hard thing for, yeah. to believe for someone in a band. But because I believe in honor and yeah. loyalty and, and they were both really good lays. <laughs> if they weren't good lays, it yeah. might be a different story. <laughs> but, you know, that's why my yeah. second wife was a dominatrix. But I, I, did, I had a dungeon with my first wife, too. So. See, this is the thing that I find, like, super interesting as well, because, yeah, because it's, it's, not, it's not a world that I know. And, and I, can, I appreciate it. The, the, it, the BDSM yeah. lifestyle? Yeah, like, when, what, at what point... Were you like, yeah, this is, this uh, is my thing? And how when I was well? 11, 11, I think. Yeah. Because I, I was looking at porn magazines my mom had, yeah. Penthouse, Hustler, and I, I hadn't got a boner before, and I still didn't. I mean, yeah. still, it's like, Hustler magazine to me is like National Geographic. A naked woman, who the fuck, who cares? But then I read a story about a man who is submissive to his wife, and she, you know. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, would you know peg him and you know beat him and make him it was an sm story and i got a boner and it's the first time i ever jerked off huh. and it's 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 exactly like discovering you're gay it is my sexuality yeah what and people you know there's the argument of whether gay is nature or nurture it's a little bit of both but my uncle is in the bdsm too ah okay and we we didn't know until recently that's funny and I, you know he's my only living relative, and we both you know had been to the same dungeons and stuff like that. <laughs> no way. That's funny, man. But wow. but you know in, in the LBGQT words, they'll never put K. They'll never put kinky, because uh, oh, it's just you like to get tied up. But it's like no, my, yeah, it's my sexuality that. is giving myself up to a woman and worshiping her. I think I, yeah because that's. That's the root of everything, I think. I mean, well, I mean... Yeah, getting... Your sexuality, everyone wants to live their dreams. Hmm. And I do. I finally lost all pride and shame when I was 47. 
five years ago. That's when I started cross-dressing in public. And, and how did that feel then when you finally like broke through that? It's uh, so amazing. And also, it reminds why, why do you think it took you that long? Because I was scared. In fact, I wasn't really into cross-dressing, but my first wife, I was wearing a maid's, latex maid's outfit, yeah. and we kind of got into a fight, and she goes, by the way, you look stupid in women's clothes. And I said, huh, you know, you know what you just did? You, you just broke my heart, and you'll never see me in women's clothes again because she just told me I look stupid. And that's what every guy's fear is. Is to look silly, and I was I was fuck I was damaged, and then I got with Soma, and she uh, she likes doing that to men. She likes feminizing men, yeah. and she did, and I mean she made me beautiful, and like once again I cried because she she made me uh, really pretty, and uh, she opened up that world for me, because Rocky Horror you know Rocky Horror was the first record I ever. Owned. I, I taped it off my television. Uh, it was on Z Channel. And that was, it's been the soundtrack of my life. And that song, Don't Dream It, Be It, Yeah. those words haunted me. They haunted me because I wasn't living my dreams. And now I get to. And do you think that that's why, ne like now, to be as open with everything as you are now, that's, well, I mean, testament in it the album is testament to that the, the because of that the, for how you're living the and, and i don't mean that saying sound like a backhanded compliment like in the way that oh like oh yeah everything you did before that point i don't mean it like that but what i'm saying is this record is like yeah you probably you 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 can't well yeah you have to be that honest with everybody to be able to just yeah and it's like that right and yeah and it's it's because i don't have any shame any pride anymore of pride in something Do I you make. Do think there's shame to be I, attached I, to those things, though? Yeah, I think there's no... I mean, there is in other people's perception. Like when you say yeah. white pride or nationalism, all that is pride. All that pride is completely unnecessary. Why, 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 how could you be proud of where you were born? You, yeah, know, you haven't picked anything. You haven't done anything. You could be proud of something you made. Proud of your kid. Yeah. You know, like I taught... I made my daughter take piano lessons. Now she's... She's gonna be singing in my musical, Home Street Home. Yeah. Uh, she's she's singing the lead on the record. Oh, is that who sings on? Not not the first one. Okay, who so who's who's singing on um, that time I killed my mom? Is that her? Yeah, yeah. Okay. She sings that one line. Yeah. But on Home Street Home, she she's 14 and the lead character is 16, and I recorded her and I couldn't believe how good it was. And I sent it to my producer, not saying, not telling him who it was. Yeah. Just, I found this 14-year-old girl. She's really good. And he said, I love her. I love her. Who is she? It's that's my cool. kid. So that's pride. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I am proud. I, you know, I made her take piano lessons and, yeah. oh, am I proud. Proud Papa. Yeah. That's an amazing thing, in it? That show, uh, I don't know if you've heard Home Street Home. Uh, it's my yeah. musical. We opened four years in San Francisco, four years ago in San Francisco. And we've been working on it, working on it. And we got the producer who did Rant and Avenue Q. And he's okay. doing West Side Story right now with Steven Spielberg. Wow. Kevin McCollum. And we're opening in April at the Pleasance Theater in London. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. We had a 12-week run there. Wow. But that, but if you like Cokie, if you like Cokie, Home Street Home, it's my best work. Are you, are you going to be playing shows over here with Cokie as well? 
I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, it's really it's it's better in an intimate scene, but it's not worth it to me to feel that bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll probably do shows here, but it's you know. It's yeah, a, it's it's not like like I would love to see it, but it's it's a weird one because I don't think it's it's not going to be an enjoyable night out for anyone. And do you feel like there's that, like there's a chance of, of this almost ghoulish appreciation of, of some of it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, what you I what you've I'm, told me is what I hear from most people. Yeah. But a lot of people can't listen to it more than once because yeah, the song when they hear a song that does relate to them mm. and it really hits them hard, they don't want to hear it again. <laughs> and that's what yeah that's kind of what I meant earlier when I was saying about performance art and I don't mean that in the sense that it's that there's a that it's um that it's not real do you know what I mean I mean in the sense that to put something out there like the thing I was thinking about was like at, at the end of um the video for negative real <laughs> this is I mean well you're aware it's a really fucking tough watch yeah but, and I've and I've shown a bunch of people the video as well I kind of, I've now, when I've shown it to people, I watch them watching it yeah. rather than. Oh wow! Do, do you know what I mean? It's interesting to see how people deal with with something like that. I didn't know how. And I don't mean that in like a like I'm getting a weird enjoyment out of other people feeling uncomfortable. I'm just curious to see how it makes them feel, because I know how it made me feel. It's like. How. How did it make you feel? I had a lot of respect. You should have seen take one. Yeah, I, heard, I saw that. No, that, it was that. that, that you I did done one already. I done one. And they didn't get. And it. I kicked the camera over. <laughs> and that one was longer. And he says, "Mike, you're gonna have to do this again." I'm like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me?" I mean, because it's not clearly it's not a wood mallet, but it's like a boxing glove. And my face well, yeah, hurt you, all, for yeah, a week. Yeah. I'm And I like that it's almost got this kind of Dylan-esque vibe with like the the, the lyric cards, you know, like like that old Bob Dylan video. But the, the thing I find curious about 
with BDSM is that, like, I'm really interested in a lot of, um, like, a lot of esoteric stuff and a lot of occult stuff. And I know that... I use that word wrong all the time, esoteric. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, things that are, like, you know, things that are... Occult is obviously means things that are hidden, but I guess you could look at it within the world of magic, and and I don't mean like bunch of flowers mm-hmm. pulling like handkerchiefs out of your mouth and stuff, you know. Like, like handkerchiefs, you got to tie them in knots and get them pulled out of your ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that reminds me of something. But yeah, uh, no. L- I'm, what last night? <laughs> I'll tell you a story later. Um, That's, no, that, I, you know I, what I, I do? Like, I make people feel comfortable about their sexuality. Yeah. And I all yeah. the time people say, Mike, thanks, because I did. I was I took sex therapy in college. Yeah. It was my minor, and okay. because I'm so comfortable wearing a dress or mm. talking about, you know, getting ass raped by two leather dykes, mm. and I mean, really every fantasy I've ever had, yeah. I've done. And how awesome is that? Yeah, that is awesome. And but people what, are married to they're married, say they're married to a woman, and they're just too scared to ask her yeah. or ask him. Because men, they want it up the ass. They don't want to be with a man necessarily, but they. I don't know. Everyone likes every, a finger. Everybody f- likes the finger. The surprise finger. Oh yeah, it's a surprise. <laughs> and then and people say, oh, why couldn't take a cock? Really? Uh, how big was the last turd you took? You know, probably cock size. Yeah, coming out and going in is different, though. No, it's not. No? No, the secret, this is funny, uh, Jeff Marks from Avenue Q, he's my co-writer on Home Street Home, and he is a gay guy who did Avenue Q, won Tony's. If you're a Tony-winning gay man, you don't have to take it in the ass. (laughs) You you pretty much, you just got blowjobs, and he goes, I don't don't take it in the ass, it hurts. I go, well, you know how to do it, right? He's like, no, what do you mean? I'm a straight guy who had to teach this gay guy how to take it in the ass, which okay. is you have to push out. Oh, really? You push out when it's going in. It's like having a teeth pulled. They don't pull it, they push. But your body thinks, oh, it's time to go. Open her up, because you're pushing. Ah. And then lube slides right in. Noted. But I never had a, a real cock, because men are disgusting. And yeah. like the money shot, I like to call it cock barf. Or cock snot. Because it's so gross. How do yeah. how do people deal with swallowing? Oh, I mean, I can't watch I can't watch a penis in porn. No way. I do not want any man in in porn. I watch. Why? Because you think they're ugly. Well, we're we're gross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's funny because rubber cocks love them, <laughs> but but if they're attached to a man, it's, and you know I would. I would say that because I do every anything I want. Yeah. I do anything I want. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I, I went and I got into this relationship, and there was already a twenty-four-seven live-in slave girl, you know, living there. I couldn't See, tell. I couldn't I tell what to do. I find it such a fascinating world. I think it's fu- it's funny that, pardon the pun, but it's being fetishized now within popular cultures. It's not being fetishized. It's it's being, just. Accepted. Like just, it, yeah. But it, Do you think it's, so? It, I guess so. Well, Fifty Shades of Grey is actually everything in that movie is the opposite of reality, and there, there's been a new show on. Yeah, yeah. I just saw bond, I bonded. Bonding. Yeah, yeah, I watched like a few of those the other day. Unbelievably but, terrible. Yeah, but it's it's like I guess I would imagine that it's almost like 
a form of cultural appropriation for the right, people you could, that have you can make that a comedy, life. but at least they should have hired a dominatrix or something that knew what you're what they're doing, because it's just so false. Yeah, but then is it like? No, I guess there's funny moments. I mean, Roseanne. There was an ending of Roseanne where her mother was was in a uh, all rubber gear, and you know was going towards this old dude, as, yeah. dressed as a dom, and Roseanne was is a fetishist. Oh, okay. You know, and she got it right. It's like if you're gonna do it, at least get it right. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah, that's I, that's I, my I, biggest passion, you know. Yeah. BDSM more than music. Well, yeah, I think because that's a, that's a deep-rooted thing that's at the core of you. So therefore, everything that you make off, like any art you any art anyone makes, is obviously like the sum of the person making it, right? And that's if right. That, and if that is such a a core thing, such an important thing, <laughs> you know, that's gonna that's always gonna have precedence. But it's but it's also I'm interested that now is this is the point where it's kind of coming out. Right in, well, within society's accepting it. Yeah, but in, within the stuff you're doing as well, you know, I guess I mean. Well, know, Koki, it's not it's not a big selling record, but <laughs> all that matters to me, like No Effects, is not a popular band on the big scheme of things. Yeah. But but our fans love us. Yeah. And people who heard the Koki album, some hate it, but some people really love it. Yeah. And that's all that matters is touching, really touching some people. If you try to touch everyone with your music, then you're the offspring. You know, uh, it, it, you're singing lyrics like I took her home and I made her dessert. <laughs> you know, yeah. not I, I grinded up some oxys and shot my mom up, up with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. But you know, that's what music is. And everyone, everyone remembers the records that changed their life. And that's what I'm interested in doing. Yeah, I, I I think. Yeah, like you said, everyone that that you that you know that's heard that record has has had a visceral response to it. Yeah, I don't think you can't. You know what I mean? I don't think you could just listen to it and go meh. Well, that's you know some punk rockers who think. But then they're not listening. No, like uh, uh, some people, Josh from Josh from Queens of Stone Age, Josh was like. Uh, this is one of the most incredible records I've ever heard. And Fletch for Pennywise was like, if someone doesn't like this record, they're an idiot. But a lot of people don't like it because you have to have, uh, I don't know, you have to have Almost some skeletons in your, cl you have to be a little <laughs> warped. Well, no, no, that's not true. I, I think you have it's to a have beautiful a, I, record. It is, it really is. And I think you need, what you need to have is a strong stomach and be prepared to just look at it in a non-judgmental way and actually s and and see how beautiful it is well i mean it's like uh, the mo my biggest inspiration with the beatles as you know all my music is yeah and they're just soft like songs like eleanor rigby mm. but the lyrics are so dark oh so tragic she's leaving home that song every t oh, gives me the goosebumps every time i think about that song it's just is so tragic and and like a song that that has one narrative but and they've done it in so well that it shows both sides of it yeah you know like her finally having the freedom and and feeling alive and and them feeling betrayed and yeah it's not easy to do that no well you yeah. gotta i gotta play the home home street home yeah stuff because that yeah uh, like to hear it, that. it's my best work
Yeah. I mean, I've been working on it for 20 years. And wow. <laughs> there's so many songs, and it, it's everybody in the audience cries and laughs, and it's taken on a roller coaster ride. But uh, what was no, it'll be it'll be here in April. Great, I'll I'll definitely come along for that. I'd love to see that. It's about street kids. Okay. You know, some of them are some of them are prostitutes and junkies, but there's no judgment on anyone. Yeah. It's about chosen family and how how people look down on homeless people and, and especially kids they're in a better place they're in a better place they wouldn't have left home and now they have family they have yeah. they have people that are actually looking out for them yeah I get that like it yeah it's better to have people that care about you and around you and looking out for you even if the situation on the outside looks would look fucking dire but yeah, yeah. it's exactly right people well, don't run well, away from from a beautiful home where they're nurtured and cared yeah. for and, and my parents were yeah I mean I didn't know like on the Cokie album the hardest line for me to sing was it's embarrassing but I never had a birthday party hmm. and that was really embarrassing that was I actually admitted that out loud because it was something that uh, you know, like I did when you're a kid you don't know things aren't normal like when I go to the racetrack with my grandfather every weekend that's cool I can the racetrack or I never had a babysitter you know, I always, since I was like six or seven, I was, was at home by myself at night. Yeah. Oh, that's what, that's what it is. That's what, that's how you live. Yeah. But the birthday party thing was weird because I'd go to so many birthday parties and I never had one. And, and I never told anybody that because it's embarrassing. So for me, that was the hardest line to sing. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a trip for me to hear that, like, I get it for this. My parents just didn't think of that. <laughs> like, you can't. I can't throw myself a birthday party when I'm 12. It's up to your parents. Yeah. <laughs> can now though. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, what do you think of my clothing line? Nice. I can see your balls. Oh, see my balls? Yeah. Well, but, but this, is, this is my clothing line. For real. I, I have a line called fat, "Fat." I'm Fat Mike, so it's Fatal. Nice. And it's uh, panties and dresses for men. But you see, the thing is, see the panties? Yeah. They're like, they're not, they're, they're made to be attractive to women. See? It's like burgundy velvet with black trim. Yeah. Women, women don't want to see their man in panties, and men are scared of that. Yeah. But yeah. these are kind of sexy. I mean, they are, right? Or, or do you not think so? Well, it's not my thing, mm. but... But I guess I'm not target audience. Boy, you're making me feel bad. No, my target <laughs> audience is actually bros, like Pennywise <laughs> fans. It is, because... It, Do you find now it, that we're selling you... more and more and more and more because I'm trying to make it acceptable? Yeah, and are you, are you seeing the kickback from that? Are you seeing people... Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, people... That's awesome, They man. send me pictures all the time. Thank you so much, Mike, for making me... Because I've been wanting to do this my whole life. Yeah. And you're, make, you're normalizing it. And I think I think there's like so you know a, how that's it makes that makes me feel so good. Yeah, because I think when you're when you're playing punk rock and those people are, you know, they're they're people that are on the fringe and and that is a sense of community or it should be. No, punk rock is community. Yeah, you ever been to a metal yeah. show? Yeah, there's yeah. no community among metal bands or well, or hip hop bands. No, I don't know. I disagree to a certain. 
because maybe if, if that's not our thing, we're not going to be part of that community. No, no, I'm saying like the Deftones were the only band that did Ozfest and Warp Tour, and they said it's so different. On Warp Tour, everyone supports each other and hangs out. Yeah. On Ozfest, everyone tries to outdo each other, and they each have their own posses. Yeah, and they try to yeah. outrock, and maybe some singers will be friends. But there's a a, a non-healthy like a competitive competitiveness. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I see that. That's like punk, you know, Bad Religion played the other night, and I just jumped on the stage and during a song, I said, "Jay, give me your bass." He goes, "Okay," and gave me his bass, and I finished the song. That rules. You know, it's not like we ask or plan something. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like we don't we don't like to tour with that Bad Religion. Yeah, like on the Warp tour, we both our bands had a deal. We're not touring without the other band. That's, that's awesome. Because, you know, we're, we're old dudes. I, yeah, I don't know those guys. Like Nobody I, nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> but he, but Brian know. Baker, you know, he's in Minor Threat. Yeah. And when he used to party... And Junkyard. And, and Junkyard. And Sam Hain. Yeah. And Government Issue. Have you, heard, have you heard the new thing, Fake Names? No. It's good. Yeah? Yeah, it's him, uh, Dennis from Refused... Uh, uh, one of the guys that was in Girls Against Boys. Yeah, it's really good. I got, I got, I, I got, I listened to it a while ago. It's, it's wicked. I don't know what's going on with it, but yeah. Um, lost track now. Well, now oh. we're on the Punk and Drublet tour. You know what that is? How's that going? What's the? Because this is something I found interesting, right? Actually, no, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's that. not talk about it. About, yeah, it's silly about it already. Yeah. Um, something I do want to talk about is I saw you say. Something which, again, I didn't even get to say what I was saying about earlier about the sort of occult stuff and how, like, suspensions uh, is, is like... Cleansing? A, yeah, and a euphoric thing and, and a consciousness-altering thing. And I, and I find it really fascinating that lots of cultures have had those kind of moments where, where you're trying to transcend... Well, like, the thing is, this reality and, what, what happens is I was going to tap out because I wasn't lifted. It was my 50th birthday. Yeah. And then I had these big high heels on, so they, they didn't know I was wearing heels, so they couldn't raise me up. I had to jump. I did like Fuck jump that. into it. And it hurt so effing bad. And I was like, I, I'm not doing this. And some guy said, just wait, wait two minutes. Just hang on. And then your body releases so many endorphins. Yeah. Then I, I ended up being up for 40 minutes. Wow! And I, and I and it was it was a really great experience. Would I, you uh, say? Would you? I don't know how you feel about these things. Would you say it's like a spiritual experience? No. 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 It was, and and the only reason I, I liked it is because I said as soon as I get tied, as soon as I I'm hanging, mm. and I was wearing I was in, you know, uh, the garter belts and and high heels. Yeah. And I wanted to be tied up with rope as soon as I was hanging, because if I was naked, just like you know, hanging Jew meat, <laughs> I didn't want to look like that, just a hanging fat guy. <laughs> so, so they tied my legs up and my arms, and then and they put a mirror below me so I could like see myself hanging. And uh, it was a it was an incredible experience, not spiritual. No, because I know that I know that a lot of people look at those things. I guess it depends on how you, how you view consciousness and, and how it gets altered with, with different substances and different... 
practices like an asphyxia and things like that and yeah. how a lot of drugs I haven't done yeah I mean I didn't try drugs until I was 31 that was and haven't stopped since haven't looked back yeah. but I haven't tried you know like I, ju I just oh, there's no new drugs and acid yeah I don't yeah. like that stuff yeah I don't even like pot slows you down makes you dumb kids don't do the pot really you know Life take the amphetamines those those you get something done at least wow but 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 you know me and my wife never did drugs yeah and we're like hey we're rich now let's do drugs because we own fat records so why not do it now can't get fired but it'll certainly make your so this marriage is... end faster yeah <laughs> yeah i've seen that oh so so here's another thing i guess that i, I I probably know how you feel about it now. Now knowing when you're saying about it, that that not being a, like a spiritual thing, but something I found interesting was when I saw you say that when you like the persona of Koki is like almost put on when you put the makeup on. Is that right? And that you feel like you can be that much more uh, open. No, not open, but like you can be more sort of transgressive and and do things that you well, wouldn't normally do. No, I, not, not really. Too? I when I, I first mean, wore, when I first wore a pink slip out to dinner in Luxembourg and then played a show in it and I felt like a punk rocker again because yeah. everyone's looking at me and I'm like oh right I can do whatever I want I always forget I can do whatever I want if it doesn't hurt anybody yeah. and now I do the strangest things uh, in life like when I'm in an airport you know TSA agents I always do the circle game with them oh there you go got you and uh, they look and I yeah. punch them like I've I've got four TSA agents in one day, and, and it's like the, the universal game. Yeah, and how they reacted to that? They all laugh. Yeah, I kind of I make people laugh all the time. Yeah, because I have no pride or shame. So when there's so I'll that's take like, I'll like take the butt of the joke. Power. That's like a superpower, though, man. Well, it's because that is one thing I think the the fear of ridicule is the is the strongest sensor. Oh. Because not nobody wants it. No. That's why people do not ask for their sexual fantasies because they're yeah. too scared to be ridiculed, and what, and no one will even be honest about what kind of porn they watch, you know. And I, I, I do. I mean, I think I'm one of the luckiest people in the world because uh, I met that woman Soma Snake Oil, and uh, for seven years of different sex every time, you know, I got tied up in a gondola in Venice. You know, we get a two-hour ride at wow. night. We call it uh, gondola. <laughs> but, you know, and I think, I don't think anyone's ever done that before. And I like making history, even if it's just a little piece of yeah. history, doing something no one's ever done before. The, the, the reason I asked about the makeup, though, was, like, I get, I get the shtick of it, and I appreciate that. But then I also wonder, because, like, doing these... You know, they're not like the regular interview that I normally get to do for work. I can, you know, we can talk about anything. But I've had conversations with, like, so Jazz Coleman, for example. He was telling me, and he's, you know, he's a very big-brained gentleman. And he, he is, he was telling me that when, when he puts, you know, when Killing Joke play and he puts his makeup on, it's, he becomes this other person. Oh, weird. Right? And and I know a few other people. You know, they were playing. the first band I ever saw. Oh yeah, Killing Joke in '81 at the Whiskey. That's not a bad start. I just like there's 
been a couple of other people that I've spoken to, like Maynard from Tool said it as well, that when he was wearing like, 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 like weird body paint where pe- he'd come out and people would be like, oh. Well, no, yeah, I, I, I when I get on stage, I, I feel time. different. Yeah. Because people expect Fat Mike to be funny. And, and actually I am funny. I mean, yeah. with all this dark stuff, then I'll start juggling. Oh, I'll start juggling. <laughs> yeah. and, and and I but you can see that that the, the thing with the record is it is it is tempered with humor and then it and it kind of has to be to a certain degree I think well because cause, it's, you, it's absurd wait wait oh my god oh that was that was very blink one eighty two of me glad this is my last interview of the day oh I'm not yeah, handed that that, to that was that fart was too good. That means I'm gonna have to poop pretty soon. Okay, all right, we can wrap out. Well, we can finish the this poop. in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm really glad you uh, you dig the Koki album. I'm, yeah. I'm really happy to do interviews for it, because it. Have I, you been I doing like many? A year I, doing I, it. Have you been? Have you done many interviews for it so far? No, I, I don't do interviews that much. No. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I thank you for for. Uh, because the worst thing is when someone doesn't prepare for an interview, and oh, I didn't. I'm just. This is all me winging it. <laughs> I'm gonna. I mean, I've been doing stand-up, and and Koki, so I'm doing comedy and tragedy. On the same. No, no. Di- oh, right. Different, I was gonna say. different things. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And now I know what I want to do. I, I really want to be a public speaker. Well, you already are. I, well, I am, but I mean, no effects were the. We've, we do the most improv of any band, yeah. for sure. We, we, we taped it once, three nights in a row. We talk for a half hour per set that's an hour and 15 minutes. So 45 minutes of music, half hour of talking. Yeah, yeah. And it's never the same. And that's what makes it fun for us. Yeah, I saw that you said that after all the shit that, that we won't talk about but I did see that you said that you were going to do like an album just of on stage banter you think Vegas is bad <laughs> we tell love I said worse things in I Vegas think. that night yeah I saw that it was, a, it was a hit by the, by the Republican Party yeah it absolutely was all the, all the people on Facebook that said terrible things they're all friendless they're yeah. all bots yeah and you know we got hit hard that's how it goes but now I got Huggendorlick back in the States yeah uh, with Kevin Lyman from the Warp Tour, great. He's my new partner, and uh, that's awesome. And punk rockers, a lot of bands didn't want to back me. They didn't. They weren't against me, but everyone was kind of silent. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like when no, it's not you, tough. Well, <laughs> it was an insensitive thing to say. Yeah. So what? Bad timing, bad place, and you know I apologized, and I really meant the apology. Yeah, I, but I think I really yeah. meant it. Yeah. Security guards lost five friends, but you know it's weird as how I got all the shit for it. But I I didn't bring it up. <laughs> Eric Melvin yeah. did. I was trying to save him. Yeah, man. But you know, I, yeah. If you're gonna talk, I mean, I talk shit every fucking night, and it's it's gonna come back and hit you once in a while. Yeah. When especially now. Them. Especially now. Especially now. That's why I'm not stopping. You got to set a standard. A uh, very low standard, and live <laughs> up to it. Yeah, that's the perfect finishing point. Right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for that. You know what? It's that was a good interview. Uh, I hope you thought so too. Yeah, I know. I really enjoyed. It. <laughs>
for listening to Swim Podcast episode 29. Go and check out the Cokie the Clown record. You're welcome. It's brilliant. Um, I think there might be some dates at some point. I know that NoFX is still doing the uh, Punk and Drublick shows in the US. And yeah, go and find out stuff online. Look at the Fat Records website. Have a look at Mike's Instagram, which is at Fat Mike Dude. Um, and between those two places, I'm sure you can find everything you need to know. Thank you again to Mike for doing this. I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed doing the painting of Mike as well for the cover of this episode. It's always a bit of a weird one, really, because one of the things which can really hold up an episode is the, the portrait, because you obviously want to get it right. And sometimes they're a real fight, a real struggle. But I think the one with of Mike came out super good. I was really stoked on it. And he seemed to be pretty into it as well, which is nice. You never really want to do a podcast, say, oh, I'm going to paint you for the cover of it and then send it to someone and they, they get it and they're just bummed out because they think it's dog shit or whatever. It's a real bum out. But yeah, he seemed pretty into it. Remember to please follow the podcast. There's a couple of guests I'm striving for. You may have seen, if you did follow me already, or on my um, like social pages, which is just at Daniel P. Carter, you may have seen that um, I got a little beggy, and I don't really like doing that sort of thing, but asking people to follow the podcast, because when people are approached, especially when it's... If it's people I know, and I go, do you want to come on the podcast? Most of them are like, yeah, of course, because they're aware of it, or we're mates or they've listened to other episodes and they're stoked on it and they want to be on it. Shout out, Randy, that was one of those. But if the social media figures are decent, unfortunately, that can be something that sways people. So yeah, please follow that. If you could leave a review on iTunes, I know it'll take you like two minutes just to go, yeah, that was wicked, this is the best podcast ever, five stars, big up. That's all you need to do. Won't take very long and I'll be well chuffed with it. Thanks for listening. I'm out. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.